Welcome to Above Avalon. This is episode 124, Doubling the Buyback. Hi, I'm Neil. In a few days, Apple will report second quarter 2018 earnings. And what has become an annual tradition, whenever Apple announces fiscal year second quarter results, the company also announces changes to its capital return program. And in today's episode, we are going to talk about some of those potential changes. We're going to take a look at how Apple has grown its capital return program over time. We'll then turn to the amount of excess cash I think Apple has on its balance sheet, because that number is going to play a key role in coming up with some possible scenarios Apple can follow to get rid of this excess cash and reach an optimal capital structure. We'll see that given the amount of cash in Apple's balance sheet, I think Apple's going to have to double the pace of share buyback. And that's going to have a major impact on Apple's quarterly cash dividends as well. The best place to begin today's discussion is to go over some of the historical context found with Apple's capital return program. If we go back 10 years to 2008, the thought that we will be having this discussion right now about Apple and share buyback and quarterly cash dividends, it would have been unthinkable. At the end of 2007, Apple had $16 billion of cash, cash equivalents and marketable securities in the balance sheet. $16 billion. Of course, at this time, Apple had just launched iPhone. The company was focused on bringing the product to additional carriers around the world. iPad was still a few years away. Apple Watch even further away. So the idea that Apple would one day have so much cash that it wouldn't know what to do with it. It can't spend it on R&D. It can't spend it on M&A, CapEx. It would have to get rid of it, return it to shareholders via share buyback and cash dividends. People would have laughed at you. They would have said that is insane. There has been this stereotype in technology where companies that pay dividends and buy back their shares, are essentially admitting that innovation at that company is over. They no longer can find new ideas or new products to really push, to put money behind. The world has changed. And the reason the world has changed is that these companies, including Apple, have gained so much power over the past 10 years. For Apple, that power has come in the form of superb cash flow generation. Apple has been selling products that people value. In fact, they attach so much value to these products, Apple now has nearly $270 billion of cash on the balance sheet. We are talking about such significant amounts of cash. Companies can't spend it just on R&D or by chasing ludicrous M&A ideas. Instead, companies now have the flexibility of returning some of that cash to shareholders via share buybacks and dividends. For Apple, the share buyback program began in 2012. That was when Apple announced it was authorizing a $10 billion buyback program. The company didn't begin to officially buy back shares until fiscal year 2013. 
And what Apple has done every year since is announce an increase in that authorization. So what is that? What is share buyback authorization? Simply put, it is just the board authorizing Apple to buy back that number of shares. And there's usually a time frame attached to it. Historically, what you do is you announce authorization. It's a little bit more than you would need. And you would give it a certain time frame that's a little bit longer than you would need. As Apple has been buying back shares, the board has been approving increases to the share buyback authorization. So in 2012, Apple's buyback authorization was $10 billion. I guess we could say just $10 billion. In 2013, that was increased by $50 billion. 2014, an increase of $30 billion. So, so far, not too much of a trend in terms of the increases. But then in 2015, we had another $50 billion increase. And I think at that time, people were starting to wonder, okay, are we looking at some type of pattern here where every year Apple would increase the share buyback authorization between, say, 30 and $50 billion? Well, in 2016, 2017, we saw Apple push through $35 billion increases to authorization. So what is it about that 30 to $50 billion range? Why is Apple increasing the share buyback by that much each year? Well, if you take a look at how much Apple is actually spending on share buyback, it's right around that total. In 2016, Apple spent $29 billion on buyback. In 2017, they spent $33 billion. Those buyback totals have largely been dictated by two things, the amount of debt Apple has been able to issue and the amount of free cash flow that Apple has been able to generate in U.S. subsidiaries. As we have discussed in the past, up to the end of last year, most of Apple's cash generation has occurred for subsidiaries. That cash has not been able to be used for things like share buyback, a quarterly cash dividend. So Apple has had to rely on debt and U.S. free cash flow to fund its buyback. So we're seeing Apple, again, up to last year, spent about $30 billion. Some years it was up to about $40, $45 billion at share buyback. As we will discuss shortly, I think that's going to change in a very big way. Turning quickly to the quarterly cash dividend, Apple initiated the dividend in 2012 at $0.38 cents per share. Similar to the buyback, 10 years ago, the idea of Apple paying a quarterly cash dividend, people would have thought you were crazy. A Silicon Valley company paying a quarterly cash dividend, it must mean that they have run out of ideas. They have no other use for the cash. In reality, that's not true. In reality, Apple simply has too much cash. That is why Apple is giving some of it back to shareholders via dividends. After announcing that initial dividend in 2012, Apple has since been following a campaign where every year they announce another increase. So we've had five increases so far. Each increase was about 10% year over year. And collectively, since 2012, Apple's quarterly cash dividend has been increased by around 66%. So we're talking about a pretty substantial rise in Apple's quarterly cash dividend over time. And management has been pretty clear here that every year you are going to see an increase 
to the quarterly cash dividend. At this point, we could spend an entire episode talking about dividends, and actually that's exactly what we did back in 2016, episode 59. So if you are really interested in dividends, I'll include a link to that episode in the show notes. But one of the major things to keep in mind when it comes to Apple and quarterly cash dividends is Apple has been able to actually leverage its buyback to grow its quarterly cash dividends. As Apple repurchases shares, the number of shares outstanding declines. And since Apple isn't just retaining those shares, they're actually retiring them, they're not continuing to pay dividends to all of those repurchased shares. This has produced a situation where Apple can increase its dividend expense by a certain amount, and the impact it has in a quarterly cash dividend is essentially magnified. And we'll talk a little bit more about that in a few minutes. So next week when Apple reports changes to its capital return program, we can be confident that Apple's going to increase the share buyback authorization and also announce an increase to the quarterly cash dividend. That's not the surprising thing here. We know that's going to happen. Instead, the unknown is to what degree will Apple increase those items. In addition, we don't know what Apple's thinking about in terms of timeframes. Does Apple plan on ramping buyback so quickly that we see a huge push in the share buyback pace, say, at the end of 2018 and 2019? Or is this something where over the next couple of years, Apple expects to increase its buyback pace? We're going to get more information on that next week. However, in today's episode, I want to go over a couple scenarios that I think make a lot of sense for Apple. In order to think about where this capital return program is headed, we need to look at one item, access cash. This is the amount of cash on Apple's balance sheet that the company does not need. So even after R&D has been funded, M&A has been funded, capital expenditures have been funded, after all of those expenses, this is the amount of cash that is left over. And we got a very big clue from the last earnings call from Apple CFO Luca Maestri about what that excess cash total actually comes out to. So here's Luca. Tax reform will allow us to pursue a more optimal capital structure for our company. Our current net cash position is $163 billion. And given the increased financial and operational flexibility, from the access to our foreign cash, we are targeting to become approximately net cash neutral over time. That's a pretty short comment, but there's a lot that's packed into that. I get three things from that. There's three takeaways. The first thing, Apple considers its current excess cash position to be $163 billion. I think that is what Luca is telling us. Once you consider taxes, you're looking at probably $125 billion for excess cash. So again, that's on an after-tax basis, $125 billion. That is the amount that Apple currently has that they just don't see a need for. 
The second thing his comment told me, Apple wants to remove the vast majority of that excess cash from the balance sheet. Why? Apple wants to reach a more optimal capital structure. Apple is telling us they have no plans on just sitting on this excess cash. They want to get rid of it. They want to give it back to shareholders. The third item that I got from his comments, Apple's net cash neutral target implies management is okay with holding debt on the balance sheet. Now, what does net cash neutral mean? Very simply, if you have $10 of debt and you have $10 of cash, you have a net cash balance of $0. If you get rid of your debt, you have zero debt and you have $10 of cash, well, you have a net cash position of $10. It simply means that Apple wants to balance the amount of cash on the balance sheet with the amount of debt on the balance sheet. So one can maybe argue, well, maybe Apple's plan is to just get rid of all of its debt over time. So once the debt comes due, Apple will just pay it off, and you'll see that debt total decline. Maybe that's what Apple plans on doing with its net cash position. I don't think so. Because notice what Apple said. They want a more optimal capital structure. It's actually okay. It's a good thing to have some debt on the balance sheet, especially low-cost debt in this environment. I don't think it's likely that Apple's going to use its excess cash to simply reduce its debt obligations over time. In addition to holding $125 billion of excess cash, again, that's on an after-tax basis, Apple is also kicking off significant amounts of cash. I think a successful capital return strategy will have to account for that ongoing cash flow generation. You can't just focus on the amount of cash Apple currently has. You have to think about, well, what is this going to look like in two or three years? Apple is currently generating approximately $50 billion of free cash flow per year. How am I getting that total? I'm taking operating cash flow, about $60 billion. It changes from year to year, so don't focus too much on that one level. Instead, it's approximately $60 billion. And then I'm looking at the 10 to $15 billion that Apple spends on property, plant, and equipment. You subtract that 10 to $15 billion from the 60. So over the next five years, it is certainly conceivable that Apple would generate more than $200 billion of free cash flow. Now, I understand projecting five years out seems a bit much, seems a bit long. But this is where things like the iPhone Goldilocks era comes into play, where Apple's wearable strategy and services come into play. These are factors where if we're projecting overall cash flows for the next couple of years, we have to ask ourselves, are there any signs that Apple's going to see a significant decline in cash flow over time? Vice versa, are there any signs that Apple is going to see a huge run-up in cash flow? Well, I think with the Goldilocks era of iPhone, instead of huge sales or huge declines, we're probably going to see status quo for the next couple of years. That's another way of saying iPhone cash flow will probably remain somewhat consistent. If there is weakness with iPhone cash flows, I think one thing that could offset it 
is Apple's non-iPhone business. That's, of course, all their products. Apple Watch, wireless AirPods. We then have services. I think those items will help to offset any potential weakness in iPhone cash flows. So that's why I don't think it's unreasonable to run with projections of about $50 billion of free cash flow for the next few years. Once you go out beyond five years, then I think it becomes a little bit more suspect, but not in the near term. So if we combine Apple's $125 billion of cash on the balance sheet and then $200 billion of free cash flow generation over the next five years, Apple is on track to have $325 billion of excess cash over the next five years. Without record-breaking increases to share buyback authorization and quarterly cash dividends, Apple's going to have a very difficult time spending all of that excess cash prudently and in a timely manner. Here's something for a little bit of perspective. Since 2012, Apple has spent just shy of $250 billion on capital return initiatives. That includes share buyback and dividends. So if we're assuming that Apple maintains its share buyback pace and maintains its cash dividend payouts, it would take Apple close to 10 years to spend $325 billion of excess cash. That's not good enough. That's too long. This is why I think big changes are needed in order for Apple to reach an optimal capital structure in a reasonable amount of time. Apple has a number of options at its disposal when it comes to spending excess cash. We've talked about things like a Dutch auction tender offer. This is just another way of saying you can buy back a large number of shares in a very short amount of time. You have things like special dividends, probably the easiest way of just getting rid of excess cash almost overnight. However, I don't think it's likely Apple is going to utilize those strategies. Instead, Apple will very likely follow its existing capital return strategy only at much higher levels. So I think you're going to see share purchases through open market transactions and accelerated share purchase programs. You're going to see this quarterly cash dividend continue just at higher levels, higher paces. I think such a strategy is realistic. It's achievable, which are very important items here. We can't just assume that Apple's going to go into the market and buy back $200 billion of its stock over the next year. It's not realistic. It's too much. It would distort the market. We should not expect Apple is going to increase its quarterly cash dividend by 400%. That does not follow dividend strategy where you never really want to get in a situation where in the future you have to lower your dividend for some reason. So I think there has to be some level of conservatism found within dividends. And more importantly, I think this strategy that Apple is currently following, it's financially prudent for shareholders. Instead, I think the big change Apple has to make is it just simply has to do more of it. And that's primarily occurring with the buyback. One possible path Apple can follow includes announcing two changes next week. The first, increasing share buyback authorization by $100 billion. So this would represent 
a record increase. It would be double the previous record of $50 billion. So $100 billion increase. It's a big number. The second change is increasing the quarterly cash dividend by 20% to $0.75 cents per share. This would also be a record increase in the quarterly cash dividend. We're going to spend a little bit more time talking about the buyback aspect of this plan versus dividends. Apple is currently buying back approximately $30 billion of shares per year. It's a significant total for really any company out there. That's the thing about this discussion. It's very easy to lose perspective on the numbers that we're talking about. $30 billion of buyback per year for most companies is unthinkable. It's unimaginable. Here we are essentially talking about Apple needs to double that amount. It's just something to keep in mind. The thing about Apple increasing its buyback pace is there are limits as to the number of shares Apple can realistically buy back before distorting the market. This is one reason why Apple uses accelerated share repurchase agreements. Apple can't just call up a few investment banks and say, we are going to now buy back more shares today, also tomorrow, and the day after. It doesn't work like that. The market will see that. Stock price would shoot higher. And if your objective is to buy back shares, so if you're Luca Maestri, you're buying back shares, you don't necessarily want to be paying an increasingly higher price for those shares. So by increasing share buyback authorization by $100 billion, I think that would give Apple the best of both worlds. Apple will have the ability to buy back substantially more shares over the next two years, which I think is essential. But it would also avoid a lot of market dislocation. You don't have Apple coming into the market and saying that they're going to buy back $200 billion of shares in the next six months. That's not likely. It's also not likely that Apple will skip open market transactions and accelerated share repurchase agreements altogether and pursue something like a Dutch auction tender offer, where you're essentially going straight to shareholders. It's not that Apple is unable to do a Dutch auction tender offer. It probably could be successful. I just don't think Apple's interested in it. I think Apple wants more or less a more sustainable, longer-term strategy for share buyback versus what is essentially a one-time thing in terms of Dutch auction tender offer. Given Apple's daily trading volume, a $60 billion annual share buyback pace, that's double the buyback versus what Apple's currently doing, it would amount to about 10 days of Apple buying pressure. That's probably doable. I don't think Apple would see a lot of issues in terms of market dislocation or market volatility if it can do around $60 billion of share buyback per year. In subsequent years, Apple could then announce smaller increases to buyback authorization in order to support that $60 billion buyback pace. So for example, next year, I don't think Apple needs to announce another $100 billion authorization increase in buyback. It could be more like $50 billion to $75 billion. As a reminder, the increase in share buyback authorization does not equate to the amount of buyback per year or that following year. The two are different. 
Over at AboveAvalon.com in this week's article, Exhibit 1 takes a look at Apple share buyback. And I found this very useful to keep. It takes a look at Apple share buyback from 2013 all the way through 2017. And then it includes my projections of where share buyback will head over the next five years. I include both open market transactions and accelerated share repurchase agreements. ASRs. So I'm just going to say ASRs for the rest of this episode. And what you find is that I'm not projecting Apple to suddenly go from $30 billion a share buyback one year to 60 the next year. I don't think that's realistic. There is going to be some sort of ramp to this. Apple's going to take their time bringing back the cash from foreign subsidiaries. And so I think you have to include that in any sort of share buyback projections. The overall point here is Apple's currently buying back around $30 billion of shares per year. I think that total is going to increase to more like $60 billion over time, let's say by the year 2019 or 2020. And within that $60 billion, a portion will go to open market transactions with the rest going to accelerated share purchases or ASRs. So in my scenario of what amounts to $60 billion of share buyback per year, Apple will have spent $275 billion on share buyback over the next five years. And again, that includes a sort of ramp between where we are now and that final $60 billion total. So that goes a long way and Apple getting rid of its excess cash. I think that's a very good thing. And I think this is one reason why a substantial increase in buyback is needed. Now, next week, Apple could certainly announce a larger increase to share buyback authorization. They could announce a $125 billion increase. They could even announce a $150 billion increase. That's one reason why you have to watch the time frame attached to that authorization. It's very well possible Apple could say, we're going to increase authorization by $150 billion, and this is going to be good until 2020. The thing is, all of those higher authorization increases, I don't think it's really going to matter. It's not going to result in a higher buyback pace than what we're already talking about with $100 billion. It all comes back to the degree to which Apple could bring its foreign cash back to U.S. subsidiaries, and I don't think that's going to occur overnight. In addition, once you start going over $60 billion of buyback per year, I just don't know if the market can handle that. It's, it's a lot of buying pressure, and it could lead to market dislocation. So that's another thing to keep in mind. Turning to Apple's dividend, we're going to really look at this from the perspective of how an increase in the share buyback pace will impact Apple's quarterly cash dividends. Apple has been following a dividend strategy of conservative year-over-year increases in dividend expense. However, due to the share buyback program, Apple has been able to grow dividends per share, the actual amount of dividend that shareholders receive, by a larger margin each year. And this is due to the reduction in the number of shares outstanding. I found these totals pretty interesting. Since 2013, Apple has increased its dividend expense by 21%. I would say it's pretty conservative. Many companies probably would increase their dividend expense by a lot more than that. However, 
Apple's quarterly cash dividend is up 66% during the same time period. So in a scenario where Apple ramps its buyback to $60 billion per year, I think Apple's quarterly cash dividend is going to see a significant rise. In fact, in my scenario, I think it's possible Apple will be able to increase its quarterly cash dividend per share by as much as 80% over the next five years. In that scenario, Apple's dividend expense would only increase by 25%. The rest of that increase would be due to the share buyback. In my scenario, Apple will have spent close to $75 billion on dividend expense over the next five years. So that's a big number, not as much as share buyback, though. But it is a very respectable number in the big grand scheme of things. The one thing to keep in mind whenever we're talking about relating Apple's share buyback to the growth in Apple's dividend is that the exact magnitude of Apple's dividend increase will be dependent on the price at which Apple buys back its shares in the coming years. For example, if Apple's share price increases over time, I don't think Apple is going to spend even more money beyond, say, $60 billion per year. Instead, they'll continue spending $60 billion. They'll just buy back fewer shares. Vice versa, if Apple's share price declines over time, well, Apple's going to have essentially more power to buy back more shares. It's not that they're going to spend less on buyback. They'll take the $60 billion per year, which is my estimate, and they'll just buy back more shares. That dynamic would have an impact when it comes to taking Apple's dividend expense and trying to figure out what it means for quarterly cash dividends per share. In summary, Apple's balance sheet objective is to reach an optimal capital structure by giving excess cash back to shareholders. This goal will be achieved via the continued use of share repurchases and also quarterly cash dividends. Following U.S. corporate tax reform and assuming Apple will continue to report robust free cash flow generation, Apple will possess as much as $325 billion of excess cash over the next five years. A realistic and prudent way for Apple to remove all of that excess cash is to double the pace of share buyback from $30 billion to $60 billion and continue to gradually increasing the amount spent on dividend expense per year. In my scenario, Apple will spend $75 billion per year on capital return initiatives. That's up from the current $45 billion per year pace. This would put Apple on track to spend more than $325 billion of access cash in order to reach an optimal capital structure. That's going to do it for today's episode. With Apple earnings right around the corner, I publish my Apple earnings preview for the second quarter of 2018. This preview goes over everything that I'm thinking about heading into earnings. This is a 5,000-word preview. It goes over not just my estimates, but also the methodology and data behind my estimates. So we go over iPhone, especially iPhone 10, iPad, Apple Watch, Mac, services. We talk about revenue, EPS, third quarter 2018 guidance. All of that and more was sent exclusively to above Avalon subscribers in four daily emails. Based on feedback, my earnings previews are the most comprehensive and helpful earnings previews for Apple that are available in the marketplace. I take great pride in that. If you would like to receive my earnings preview, all you have to do is become an Above Avalon subscriber. 
head on over to aboveavalon.com, go to subscribe, sign up forms are there. It's very simple, very easy. A subscription to Above Avalon is either $10 per month or $100 per year. This is a great time of the year to become a subscriber because once Apple reports earnings, I will then send out my earnings review to subscribers. So this goes over all of the major themes from earnings and my full notes. If you enjoy the Above Avalon podcast, if you like the weekly articles over at AboveAvalon.com, and you want more of this kind of Apple analysis throughout the week, I think you would like becoming an Above Avalon subscriber. With that, I will conclude today's episode. I'll talk to you all later.